Good morning, and welcome to Diversions. Another great day here in Colorado. My name is Mark Catlin. Today's going to be a good show. We're going to have a guest on that we've never had before. He's, um, he's a state representative from up around Avon in Eagle, Eagle County. He's, um, he's new at it. He's been there a year, and he just got reelected. Then, uh, you know, he's, he's, um, he's, he's an individual that I think is going to try very hard to do a really good job. So we're, we're anxiously kind of awaiting him to be here. He's, uh, he represents Eagle and Route County up in the north part of the north central, northwest part of the state of Colorado. Lives along I-70, you know, but he's a western slope guy. That's a big deal in this day and age, particularly with rural Colorado struggling the way we are. He is a rural legislator, and that's uh, we've got high hopes for him. He's going to be one of those guys that we think that we'll be able to cooperate with, and he'll cooperate with us. We're, um, we're looking forward to it. He and I are going to sit on the Rural Affairs Committee. We're going to talk about rural affairs today and, uh, you know, see how that works out. Good morning. Welcome to the air. You're on Diversions. Representative Catlin, this is Dylan Roberts. Good morning. Good morning, Dylan Roberts. Sit back for a minute. Let me brag on you a little bit. All right. Today's guest is Dylan Roberts. He's from up in Avon country in the Eagle and Route County. He's young, but we won't hold that against you. He's uh, turned out to be a friend of mine. He's the kind of guy that I like to work with. You know, he's a native, so that's a big deal in this day and age. He's from the Western Slope. He understands Western Colorado issues, but he's also getting to have a statewide presence. Welcome to the air, Dylan Roberts. Good day. Hey, good morning. It's great to be talking to you, Mark. Well, it's good to have you on the air, too. So how are things up in your country? You know, things are, things are great up here. I am uh, in Steamboat Springs right now at my uh, folks' place for we're getting ready for Christmas, and it is pounding snow, so that's good, and it's good for the skiers. It's good for the water, yeah. uh, so things are all good. Well, so you're home for you're, you're going to be home for a little while, huh? Are you ready to start on the 4th? It's, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I hope I'll be ready. I hope you're ready, too. Uh, we're starting a whole week earlier this year, so it seems like it's coming really fast right after the new year. But um, getting ready and getting my bills together, and uh, I think yesterday was the deadline for that first bill, so that felt good to get that done and cited. I think it's going to be a really interesting session when we all get to Denver on the 4th. Well, it does. It's got a lot of energy things. I'm getting a lot more calls than I thought I would, so everybody's wound up about it, so I think I'm I'm ready. I, you got to be ready or else they'll leave you behind, right? Exactly, or else you leave your head spinning and you don't know what's going <laughs> yeah. on. So what committees are you on, Dylan? So I am on, this coming year, I'm going to be on three committees. I'm on the Capital Development Committee, which is a joint House and Senate committee that um, deals with capital construction projects across the state. I am on the Judiciary Committee in the House, and then I'm also uh, get the privilege of serving with you on the Rural Affairs Committee. Well, that Rural Affairs Committee, you're going to be, you're also the chairman of that, right? I am. I will be the chairman of the Rural Affairs Committee. So you're getting to write your name in the history books as the first chairman of the Rural Affairs Committee. <laughs> I guess so, yes. It, uh, new committee, same same subject area, but new new committee name. So I guess it is a new uh, the first the first one. There you go. Your name will be yeah. in the book. <laughs> so, with rural affairs, by changing the committee name, did they take some of the purview out of ag? The ag, this is the, for those listening. This is the old ag natural resources and livestock committee. Were there things taken out of that committee in order to form rural rural affairs? 
So my understanding, and I was not involved in the in the change of the name, but I did speak with Speaker Becker about it before it happened, and what she said and what she wants to do is not take anything away from that committee, but actually give it the ability to add things to that committee. So it's... Um, as your listeners probably know, and as you know, the speaker can send a bill wherever she wants. Um, it doesn't have to go to a certain committee, but usually it goes to the committee that's the most relevant to whatever the bill topic is. The Rural Affairs Committee is still going to have the same jurisdiction over the issues that the Agriculture, Livestock, and Natural Resources Committee did. So any bill related to agriculture, any bill related to livestock, any bill related to water issues uh, will still come to the Rural Affairs Committee like it did with the Ag Committee. But it actually gives the ability for us to hear some issues that might not have gone to our committee in the past. So things like rural health care delivery or rural broadband are issues that we could now see because of the name change. Well, that should give us, um, you know, that should keep us pretty busy, I would imagine. I think so. Yeah, we're going to, you know, we'll have our usual um, bills relating to ag and water, I'm sure. But, you know, um, I, I'm hoping that we'll get to uh, work on some some issues that might affect the whole state, but particularly impact rural Colorado. So what issues do you see coming forward in this session that um, will, you know, be the hot tickets? What do you think is going to come to us? You know, I think uh, in our committee, we're going to, uh, I think the biggest issue that we are facing is, is water, um, and I know you and I were talking the other day at the at the Capitol about the issues with the Colorado River Compact and how that might impact Western Colorado if there were ever a call. And so I imagine there's some legislators and some some people in the new governor's administration that will want to start thinking about better funding the Colorado Water Plan and drought contingency plans and and things like that. So I, we will hear a lot of bills related to water conservation, water use issues, uh, yeah, and then yeah, go ahead. I, I think um, another issue that's of particular impact to rural Colorado is uh, your listeners know in my district is particularly impacted as well as the cost of health care and the cost of health insurance. And we really need to do something to bring more competition into the market, give people choice, start to lower premiums, and make sure that people have access to quality health care, quality and affordable medication, and things like that. So. I'm hoping that some of those issues will get to come before the Rural Affairs Committee because a lot of people in the metro region aren't facing the same price hikes and the same increases in prescription drugs and stuff like that that, that we do out here. Well, that's been a problem. It certainly has yeah. been. So in, in regards to how, how this co committee is going to work, are we going to be dealing with um, economic development in, in rural Colorado too? Do you think we'll think, see yeah, some of that? Absolutely. In the press release about the, the this committee change that was one of the topics that was listed under our purview so um, any any bills or legislation that would relate to spurring economic development or promoting small businesses in rural Colorado will definitely come to our committee so <clears throat> have you heard of any bills that you, that you think will be coming right away in regards to this committee you know I have heard um, I think there's going to be some uh, again on the waterfront um, we're going to see some bills to uh, maybe strengthen the in-stream flow program to allow people to, to temporarily lease their water for in-stream flow purposes to, for stream health. And, and it, that's more an issue up in, in my neck of the woods where you know some of our water rights users might want to not use their water right and send it, send it down towards your area um, as long as they're guaranteed that they're not going to lose their rights. So if we can strengthen that program, I think that's a bill that's going to come. I've heard of a couple bills that you're working on yourself related to better, you know, with ditch management 
ditch management practices, trying to increase uh, conservation for our ag users and our ag water rights users. So those are the specific water-related bills. I think we're going to see some some bills related to pesticides and other environmental issues that uh, will have a big impact on the agriculture community. So we need to make sure we're taking a close look at those and not doing anything that's going to harm western or eastern Colorado. Um, for the sake of the metro area. So those are some of the things that I've heard, but in reality, I, I haven't heard of too many concrete things. I think we have a lot of fresh new members coming in to the legislature who, who just don't haven't released their plans yet. Yeah, and they haven't really you know got a hold of it. Just figuring yeah. out how to write a bill and how to get it in on time <laughs> and all those kind of things is a big job, I'm telling you. It is. <laughs> a lot of dates and spreadsheets and technical stuff. It's, uh, it's a lot to learn. That's true. Hey, I want to talk about the Colorado River and some of the issues that are looking us right in the face. I mean, that the Colorado River, we in Colorado think it's a pretty big river and it's really important. But in reality, it's not as big a water uh, service. It services a lot of people, but it doesn't have as much water in it as some of the rivers that don't have nearly the pressure. So one of the things that's worrying me is that the eastern slope continues to look at western Colorado to fix the problems on the Colorado River uh, without really thinking about how they're going to contribute to that. I'm, I'm hoping that we in the legislature or we in the Colorado River District are able to point out that the eastern slope has to do something to help themselves rather than just ask your friends and neighbors to not farm their place. Do you think we'll get some progress on that? I, I totally agree with you, uh, Mark, on that. I think people, one, you know, are counting on us out here in western Colorado to, to fix the problem without recognizing uh, that this is needs to be a statewide solution. And, and two, as you know, most people on the eastern slope don't. They just don't know about this issue. It's not front of mind for them. It's not something they confront on a daily basis, and so that their their knowledge of it is not you know where it needs to be for them to recognize the problem. Yeah. You know, I think we we're going to have to work hard. I think that's one thing that's good about having a rural affairs committee is we will have a voice in, amongst the, the hundred legislators that are down there, so that we can start talking about this issue and and, and hopefully educate and, and work with our front range legislators if there is uh, ways to do this legislatively. But I think a lot of this is going to have to come from leadership from the governor, from the new governor and his administration and other entities like the Colorado River District and the Colorado Water Conservation Board and, and departments like that who can start advocating for the Western Colorado to our Eastern Slope partners and, and let them know that a call on the Colorado River Compact is going to impact the whole state. And there's some things we could do um, to make sure that it's not disproportionately impacting all of us that live here in western Colorado. That's true. How much agriculture is in your district? You know, uh, up here in Route County, uh, Route County is an agricultural county. That's how the community of Seamote Springs and, and Hayden began. Uh, then Askeria popped up, so we definitely have um, a lot of tourism as well. But uh, there's a good uh, number of cattle ranches up here, um, some wheat growing. Uh, down in Eagle County, where I live now, there's not a lot of agriculture, but there's still some, you know, some ranching going on and some couple number of crops. But for us, you know, we're sort of the headwaters, so we do everything we can to responsibly use the water, but get make sure that we're sending everything we need to send downriver. Well, yeah. So, do you think that some of these, uh, like demand management, will some of your growers be interested in leasing some of their water for uh, demand management, following their place? I imagine there's definitely there are some 
that would be interested in that. I know there's several up here in the Yampa River Basin who are taking advantage of the in-stream flow program. You know, and that brings me to an issue on, on rural broadband. You know, we did a lot of things last year in, in the session, and, and we got, you know, funding for broadband. We leveled the playing field. We've done a lot of things. Now, the question is, how do we get it out here to rural Colorado? Have you heard any talk about how we might try to address getting more broadband uh, and, you know, glass fiber out here into the rural part of the state? You know, I've heard a little bit. I think we passed that bill last session. I think it was Senate Bill Number 2 right. uh, that will eventually invest a lot of money into rural broadband infrastructure. But I, I, the problem I've heard with Senate Bill 2 is that it doesn't take effect or the full funding doesn't take effect for a few years. So a lot of communities are still going to be left out for a while. So I've heard uh, talk of somebody or trying to get a supplemental budget request. And so it wouldn't necessarily be a bill, but it would be asking the Joint Budget Committee to divert some funding from somewhere else into the rural broadband program so that we can immediately get some of this deployment. And the problem that I hear in my district, I'm sure you hear it too, is the last mile problem where, yeah. you know, there might be broadband service in the in the main urban core of a town, but getting it out to people who live not quite in within reach of that is the problem. So I think we need to be looking at if we are going to use that supplemental funding, make sure that it's targeted towards serving the people that still are without reliable and high-speed Internet. Well, that's true. We've got a lot of people in my district that are, you know, some of them don't even have Internet yet. And if they do, yeah. it's all old dial-up and... You know, they can't use it to do business on the Internet. Maybe they can, you know, look at Google or something, but they don't really get an opportunity to use it as a business tool. So I'm hoping, you know, I've heard some talk about easements, uh, existing easements, and, and being able to put broadband services on those existing easements. Have you heard anything about that, Bill? Yes, I have heard a bill that's coming, and that's going to be, um, you know, I haven't seen any bill language, but it's a very interesting idea that if you can coordinate easement rights so that you're not causing too much disruption when we're laying this, this fiber, and I think that bill also will draw in local governments, so county commissioners as well as local town governments, so that they're partnering when they're doing construction that they can use the same easement to lay broadband, which, you know, I, it sounds like a good idea. It's something I would want to take a look at and make sure we're not um, having un any unintended consequences. But this really is one of the biggest issues that I think we need to continue focusing on for rural Colorado because we talk about this rural-urban divide, and I know a lot of rural communities are having people leave to go to the front range or different cities across the country. And, and this is one of the reasons why, because they want us – you know, if they could run their business or do their work remotely in whatever town they live in, in rural Colorado, they would, but they, without reliable Internet, they, they can't do it, so that's why they leave. Yeah, that's part of this economic development that we're trying to, you know, enhance in western Colorado particularly, and even out on the eastern plains. You know, when we think about, when I think about rural Colorado, I usually just think about the western slope and forget about my East Plain cousins because I, I'm, you know, I'm not that familiar with them. But they've got long distances in between communities and services and all those kind of things. They're probably in poorer shape than we are in a lot of the places here on the Western Slope. I agree. I mean, yeah, you look, you know, the city of Grand Junction, city of Montrose, you know, those are good-sized cities that have a lot of modern infrastructure, including broadband. And yeah, out in the Eastern Plains, you know, the cities, just the population isn't as large, and, and therefore the infrastructure is, is not as sufficient. And uh, I think you're I think you're definitely right. You know, that's one of the things that I've that I've become aware of since I became a representative is that I always thought in terms of rural Colorado, 
But in, out here in my district, I even have what's, uh, what's considered and listed as frontier communities. You know, my small towns, you know, Natarita, Nuclev, those kind of communities are considered yeah. by the state as frontier. And they're really behind. They're, they're needing a lot of attention, believe me. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think uh, there's, def- there's a lot in common. But when you're saying the state of Colorado, it's all different types of places. Well, that's for sure. I, you know, I think that's one of the things that happens with our our urban cousins is they never really even think about some of the issues that we deal with on a daily basis, because their world doesn't encompass that. They don't ever have to worry about health care. They don't worry about broadband. They don't worry about their biggest worry sometimes is how long it takes them to get home at night. Yep. You know, from the transportation issues, it's about you know traffic jams rather than. You know, having pavement on their roads, so they just don't have a hard. They have a really hard time connecting with us sometimes, in in realizing what our issues are. That's one yeah. reason, and you've been a member of it. Is the, the rural caucus? We're trying very hard to get rural communities to tell urban communities, here's what the issues are, and this is what we need to do to deal with it. We're going to come back this year with the uh, rural caucus again. Hopefully, you will be a part of that again. It sounds to me, though, you're going to be a pretty busy guy with three committees, and none of them are small items. No, um, definitely not. I'm planning on being very busy, but we'll love to come to all of the Rural Caucus meetings or as many as I can get to. I thought that was a really good start, something that you started, and really happy that you did because we saw, I can list off a whole bunch of legislators from all different parts of the state that came to that, and I think they learned a lot, and it was a good opportunity for them to learn from whichever speaker was speaking that day and also connect with us about different issues. And, you know, I remember Representative Harrod, who uh, is from urban Denver, right in the middle of the right. city. Um, probably the most the urban of all of them. <laughs> I think so, probably. But she was there to learn, and I think it was a really good experience for her and a good experience for us to be able to, to yeah, give have a there. personal face to it. Well, yeah. you know, that's what this is about, is relationships. We show up. We've never met one another in our life. And within four or five days, we're supposed to be able to figure out how we're going to work together and how we're going to move things forward. You know, as long as people are are willing and able to listen, then we've started to make some relationships that probably I'll know these people the rest of my life. Yeah, I agree. And that that was one of the most, you know, I've only been in the legislature for a year now, but that was one of the most surprising and refreshing things that I learned was, you know, when, when you're thinking about politics, it's always... You know, most people think about it as Washington, D.C. and whatever they see on TV every night. But at the state level, we, we want, I think, we get along no matter what party you're from. I think you and I are a good example of that. Yeah. And uh, and then, but there's also a lot of legislation that we work on that are very hard that is, doesn't make the newspaper, doesn't make the radio. Nobody will know about it that much um, unless you're paying really close attention. But it's bipartisan. It's not super, you know, nobody gets super riled up about it. It's, it's good public policy for the state of Colorado. And, and we all support each other and sponsor bills together. and um, So that's refreshing, I think, compared to what's going on at, at the national level. Well, I think that's true, too. And, you know, it, the other thing is, if you only see television, you don't know for sure what's going on behind the set. Because, yeah. you know, we, we have relationships. You know, it's not just, you don't just see our compatriots on television. You're sitting in the same room with them. You're sitting at the same diocese with them. You're on the same committees. Pretty soon you start to know one another much better than what I think people even think we do. Because, you know, we start to understand who you are, where you're from, what you think's important, what your issues are. And, um, you know, we try to play to those strengths a lot of times. That's what keeps me there. I, you know, I'm, I'm starting to find out it's about people. It's not about yeah. issues, really. 
I agree. Yeah, we're uh, for better or for worse, we're forced to spend a lot of time together, and so you get to know people well. And for the most part, I think that that's a good thing. And new friends, new friendships are formed. Yeah, you learn about where people come from, what their perspective is, and who their families are, everything like that. So yeah, that's true. Um, you know, I wanted to ask you up there in your area. You've got a lot of forests. How is the forest health in your district? So you had a big we, fire, didn't you? We had a huge fire this summer, the Lake Christine fire. That was the one that was in Basalt, the towns of Basalt and Elgebel, which are um, this little corner of Eagle County. You have to go through the Glenwood Canyon and then head south on Highway 82 to get to Basalt and Elgebel on your way to Aspen. Aspen's not in my district, but Basalt and Elgebel, which are the towns where people who work in Aspen live. And this fire was started on the 4th of July this year. Um, at a gun range, a tracer bullet uh, got off and hit some dry trees uh, and started a fire. Nearly took out the entire towns of Basalt and Elgebel, but ended up the firefighters did just an incredible job and stopped the fire literally, I don't know, a couple feet from uh, one of the neighborhoods in Elgebel. Three homes were burned, but could have been way worse. But that fire raged for, for months and months. And so that was a really big issue this summer. We also had a bunch of other fires that started up in the Eagle River Valley of Eagle County because it was just so dry. So forest health is a, is a huge issue. It's something that my county commissioners have been talking to me about a lot. Um, I know the, there's an interim committee on wildfire matters that I think looked at some forest health issues that we might see coming this upcoming session. But forest health is something that I am particularly aware of because of these fires and something that I think a lot of places in Colorado are, are talking about now. Well, I don't. Do you think that we and the in the Rural Affairs Committee will see a lot of issue, a lot of forest health issues come to that committee? Absolutely. I think if if we're considering any legislation that has to deal with forest management or incentives for people to better buffer their homes for fires, things like that, that would um, def, that would absolutely come to the Rural Affairs Committee. Well, you know, one of the ideas might be that uh, the state of Colorado is going to need to make some of these controlled burns so that we don't get wildfires, but, you know, to help burn down some of those slash piles, some of the things that do add to the fire danger. I'm hoping that we'll deal with some of those kind of issues this year. Me too. I, uh, You know, fire, everybody knows that forest fires are a natural part of the forest ecosystem, and, and now that we've built homes and communities all within the forest, it, you can't just let fires uh, burn with free rain, of course, but um, by, you know, we do need to do controlled burns and try as much as possible that the forest go through its natural system so that out-of-control forest fires don't happen as often. Do you have a lot of beetle kill in your area? You know, I do in Route County in particular. There is a significant amount of beetle kill. But if you go just east of here in Grand County and Summit County, uh, which are not in my district, but, you know, very close, there that's prime beetle kill area. I know the beetle, the pine beetle, has been dwindling in the last few years. And I've heard that, you know, it's because they've sort of ran out of food. Uh, there's not a lot of more trees for them to eat, but they, they did significant damage um, across the northwestern part of the state, which includes Route County. So up in your country, how is um, how are they taking care of, of rural health? Do you have a lot of clinics and uh, those federally qualified health care uh, units and like that in your district or up in the northwest? Yeah, we have a couple. There's uh, one here in Steamboat Springs, and then there's a, a couple down in Eagle County, uh, those health clinics. Um, some innovative, really innovative work going on where they, you know, they have a base in Steamboat, but they travel out to places like Craig, Colorado, or down to Oak Creek, or 
um, basalt. So that's for the most part, everybody in my district lives within reasonable distance to a to a hospital. Uh, but they are reaching those those people who are not through some health clinics and some traveling clinics like that. And uh, yeah, some innovative stuff going on. But as you know, uh, it's it's kind of like piecing together services when you're when you're in rural Colorado. Well, that's true. So, what are some of the ideas that you're going to be bringing forward this year in regards to healthcare? Yeah, absolutely. So the biggest issue for my constituents and, and everybody in rural Colorado is the lack of choice in the health insurance market, uh, which is causing in 14 Colorado counties, most of them here in western Colorado, there's only one option if you're buying insurance on the individual market. So a bill that you and I worked on last year to, to look into different ideas around a co-op or some sort of um, state-backed option to give people a choice in health insurance is something I'm going to be working on. And you know, it's not the silver bullet. It's not going to be the best for everybody, but it, it will give people choice. And I think the competitive factor of having more than just one option will allow both options to lower their prices or stop raising them as much at least. So that's something I am really looking forward to working on. I think we've, we've done a lot of good work over the summer and can uh, get some movement on the, on those bills. And then the, another issue that's really important to me, I know it's important to you too, is the cost of prescription drugs and making sure that people have the you know some of these drugs like insulin and other drugs that treat chronic illness have just been skyrocketing in price while the quality of the drug has not changed in any significant way and so i think we at a state level need to figure out why that's happening so that people and patients know you know what's going into these price increases and then hopefully we can get some support from the u.s congress to start helping lower those prices and then making sure that people have access to their prescription drugs and not being forced to buy from only one place um, and uh, get it through the mail if they want to. I know it's an issue that, that you've worked on. Um, so access to more health insurance choices and, and making sure that people um, aren't being you know screwed over, to be, to be frank, uh, by health insurance and prescription drug companies. Well, that's one of the things that I'm going to be carrying this year is the patient's choice of pharmacy. I carried it last year. We made it through the House, but it didn't make it through the Senate. But I think it might this year. You never know because um, yep. this is this is a big deal out here. You know, people can't they can't just drive and you know for two and a half hours to the pharmacy because that's where the insurance company wants you to buy your medicine. It just seems crazy to me when people get letters saying we want you to shop at such and such a place or online. You know, with us out here, some of my people don't even have any computer. They don't have internet. How can they shop online? Those are the things that. You know, urbanites just never think about, and they try to push it out on us. Absolutely. And, and as you know, out here in rural Colorado, your local pharmacy is is an important place in the community, and a lot of people have been going there, bringing their family there for generations, and there's no reason why you should be forced not to use that pharmacy just because of whatever scheme the drug and pharmacy benefit manager companies are trying to take advantage of. Well, I agree with that. Uh, you know, I would imagine we'll probably work on that together as time goes yeah. forward. You know, also with that idea of bringing more choice for people as far as insurance companies. And, you know, if we could form new groups of large numbers of people, for example, if they're in the co-op or, you know, whatever it is, that might help lower the costs for more and more people all the time. I agree. I think the idea of forming new groups is a, a bill that I've heard a, a different legislator is going to bring this year to allow different negotiating pools to form. And, uh, you know, the sort of the general idea of insurance is the bigger pool you have, the lower the prices for everybody will be. And um, there's no reason 
I don't think, why we can't take a hard look at allowing people to form different groups, whether it's based off of your electric association or your school district or uh, your uh, chamber of commerce, things like that. And it's a, a really innovative idea that I think if we can get that through or get started in Colorado, we'll be a national leader on that and to lower some prices. Well, I know that there are, you know, um, even our, our congressman from the 6th District, those are the kind of things that he talks from the 3rd District, I'm sorry, yeah. that that talking about, well, can we start to buy and sell insurance over state lines and those kind of things. Boy, it's, it seems like you and I sitting here, that makes common sense, yet that seems to be the hardest thing we can get figured out is how can we expand these groups. So I'm hoping that we'll see some some traction on that this year yeah i agree i think uh people are reaching a breaking point uh with health insurance and i i'm sure you talked to many people on the campaign trail this year i did too who said you know i, I just can't afford it i'm going to go without health insurance this year and you know cross my fingers um, yeah. and that's that's not good for that individual person it's not good for the system and should be doing better than that well you know we've got some people here in our district that are their health care insurance is is higher than a mortgage payment, and they just yep. decided I can't do it, so I've got to be, you know I got to have a place to live. So they are taking a risk, and I, you know that's it's not it's certainly not the best way to live out here on the western slope of Colorado. We've got all these things that make it a great place to live, until you start to get down to how much it costs in order to live here, and that's I'm hoping that we'll be able to you know at least address it in some way. And with, you know, some cooperation on both sides of the aisle, it might happen. I think so. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful, at least. So have you heard of any new appointments from the governor as far as um, his cabinet? He announced, I saw he announced a first round of cabinet appointments yesterday. Um, he is keep, looks like he's keeping on a few people from the Hickenlooper administration, but a lot of new people. I, I don't know if you saw that announcement uh, yesterday. But he did release his first round of cabinet picks yesterday. Well, I saw that uh, Katie Greenberg is going to be the new commissioner of agriculture, but I didn't see yes. any others. So, yeah, I did see Katie Greenberg, who is uh, from Durango, is my understanding. So we'll have some Western Slope voice, at least, in the administration. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I suppose he's got to, he'll have to announce pretty quickly, won't he? He will. I think uh, going into the Christmas holiday, he probably won't make any announcements before then, but um, he did his first round yesterday, and but there's still a lot of cabinet posts uh, that he did not announce yesterday uh, that he'll have to do. He gets sworn in on January 8th, so sometime before that. Right, so have you heard about the Department of Natural Resources? Who's going to be there? No, that was not on the list yesterday. The current director, we were when we were sitting in that committee hearing on Wednesday when he right. was presenting to us, I saw announcement that he, the current director, is leaving and uh, returning to uh, the law firm I think he was working at before he came over. Um, so I have, I don't know who who will be. I haven't heard any rumors. I no, I haven't either. It's been very quiet in regards to potentials. So who was announced yesterday? What what? So I can go look them up after we're done here. Yeah, well, let me, um, I'm getting to my computer right now. Right. Um, I know Katie Greenberg uh, is the secretary of, Agriculture, at least, is the nominee for the Secretary of Agriculture. Yeah. Um, Stan Hilke, who is from Mesa County, who will be the Department of Public Safety, I saw that. Um, he's currently the Director of Public Safety, so he's staying on. Yeah. Um, he was the sheriff in Mesa County. That's right. And, yeah, let me... 
Oh, we don't need to get hung up on it. I just <laughs> thought maybe you knew for sure, and you know we'd pass those uh, those names on. But you know, I I I, I don't know. I'm kind of hoping. I'm hoping that the new administration will take after Hickenloopers in regards to people that are maybe even across the party lines, you know, because um, it's the whole state. We got to run it for the whole, you know, for everybody. I'm Absolutely. hoping that that's the approach that they will take. Yeah, so, and I think um, I, I'm hoping that too. I I have heard that he was interviewing people from all political persuasions, and uh, you know, I, I am sure that he'll nominate. Some people who are registered Republicans or, or more conservative, right. uh, and uh, I think that's good government. I think that's good practice. And he, uh, you know, he he's a congressman now, but he's about to be in charge of the whole state. And uh, we are definitely a purple state. So I think I, I hope uh, that his cabinet reflects that. Well, I do too. You know, while we've got you here, I wanted to talk about the the committee of uh, Capital Development Committee. It's not very well known of what they do or what you know what your job is but you really are in charge of the investments that the state of Colorado makes in new buildings and in fixing up buildings and those kind of things so do you see a lot of action going to come in that committee this year yes uh, we are going to be very busy uh, there are there have been some years where the capital development committee doesn't have any money or very little money to give to capital construction uh, so when we say capital construction, we're talking about building new buildings on state universities uh, from everywhere from the University of Colorado Boulder to Colorado Mesa and Fort Lewis and across the, the state. And then things like Parks and Wildlife, uh, other state agencies who need to either acquire land or build buildings. Uh, so we, we just had our pre-session round of meetings for three days two weeks ago down at the Capitol, and that's where every department that has requests comes before the committee and, and tells us what their requests are, uh, how much money they're requesting, why they need it, uh, and then we have to, you know, we can't fund everything, um, so we have to be, and we only get a certain amount of money from the Joint Budget Committee, uh, so we have to be very strategic and very diligent about what we're spending on, and it it's ranges from brand new buildings, like uh, Colorado Mesa wants to build a physician assistant program building which would be really big for the Western Slope because this is part of the reason why healthcare can be more expensive because we just don't have a lot of medical professionals uh, who live in Western Colorado or want to work there. And if we can build a, a training facility right in Grand Junction, that could mean a lot of uh, great things for the whole Western Slope. Two, that's a new building, but then schools and other buildings have, you know, their um, plumbing system is in failure or their yeah. heating system is in failure and they need a significant investment to fix it. So um, there's a pretty dire situation that the Metro State Auraria campus in Denver with their um, heating and cooling system that uh, is undergoing pretty significant failure right now, and they, they, uh, they need some help. So that's the type of stuff that the Capital Development Committee does. I am the only, it's six members, three representatives, three senators. I'm the only member out of the six that's from Western Colorado, so I will do my best to make sure that we're not getting left behind out here when those requests come through you're going to be a pretty pretty popular guy there for <laughs> you know for that so the focus of that is mainly on on campuses of, of universities it, it, that's a primary focus so that's universities yeah all the way from the, the biggest csu and cu to our community colleges across the state but other divisions include the you know we have the jurisdiction over the department of corrections uh, the department right. of human services and parks and wildlife are the other big departments that <laughs> You know, one of the things I'd like to mention is that 
You know, I'm, I'm getting a lot of folks that are talking to me about availability of beds on the western slope for mental health crises and, you yeah. know, these type of things. Well, just your own personal opinion now. We're not going to hold you to it, so be careful. Do you think there's going to be some movement for rural Colorado to get some more of these facilities, either in existing buildings or, you know, to do something that we to try and help with this crisis? Because we're... I've got a lot of people that are needing help. Me too, and it's a, it's a crisis across the state, and I think across the country as well. We uh, That's going to be a huge issue that we're going to have to confront. The Department of Human Services is the department that gets, um, you know, sort of put in charge of these people when they are court-ordered to get mental health treatment. Uh, but even before that, the, you know, people who... Have not are not in the court system yet, but they're having a mental health crisis. Uh, there's a stunning lack of beds across the state for people to go and get treatment. Uh, so they're either going without treatment, which could lead to suicide, of course, and, and other dire things. Not as serious as that, of course, but uh, or they they commit crimes. Uh, and so we're we're we need to do more to give to allow services. I think with the limited money that the state government has. It does fall a little bit on local communities to find solutions. I know my home county of Eagle County uh, a year ago passed a sales tax on marijuana, and that sales tax will go 100% to mental health services. And so they're going to, with the money they're getting from that, they're going to build a new facility that will increase the number of beds in Eagle County for mental health treatment. So those types of local solutions that we need to encourage communities to look at as well. But a big issue that I think you're probably hearing about as well is when you commit a crime and you have a court case and your defense attorney or the judge believes that you might not be competent to proceed, you have to go get a uh, mental health evaluation right. until and before your case proceeds. So that throws you into the jurisdiction of the Department of Human Services, and they don't have enough beds. I think there are currently close to 500 people who um, are not getting the competency evaluation that they need and so they're just sitting in county jail uh, without any treatment in the and proceeding. Um, so the Department of Human Services is going to be requesting a lot of money to build more beds so that they can, and hire more people so they can get those evaluations done. But it, it's a really tough crisis that we're having. Well, you know, even in the town of Cortez, which is about as far away from Denver as you can get, yep. uh, they're having to transport you know numerous people to Pueblo and Denver, those kind of places, and that takes one of the sheriff's deputies and, you know, a car and all those kind of things. So it just keeps adding costs to this crisis. So, you know, hopefully there's going to be some some answers that will come out of that. Because I think it's a big issue with a lot of people, particularly in rural Colorado. Because, you know, like you say, it's setting in jail is probably not doing them any good. No, it's not doing anybody any good. It's They're not getting the treatment that they need. Their case isn't proceeding. Uh, and... You know, it's putting in a tremendous strain on our jail staff and our, uh, you know, tr taking care of these people while they're in confinement is very challenging. Um, and, you know, it's not good for the staff and it's certainly not good for the person who, who needs help um, because they're having some sort of mental health crisis. Well, listen, we're kind of winding down here. I'm going to yeah. give you an opportunity. What are the priorities for you in this session? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I am really looking forward to making some progress on some things that we got started, that I got started on over the last year. So, uh, like we were talking about, the issue of healthcare and health insurance is, is my biggest focus and my biggest passion. One, because it is, 
what I hear about the most from when I'm knocking on doors uh, and talking to voters in my district. That is the number one thing that I hear about from them. And so I want to I want to do something that that makes a difference, that lowers prices, and that's good for the whole state. Uh, and I think there's a way to do that in a bipartisan manner. So I'm really excited about that. I also am very much looking forward to leading the Rural Affairs Committee because I think some of the issues that we'll confront are, are things that we need to make progress on immediately. So issues like water management and forest health and protecting the reason why we all live out here in the first place, which is its natural beauty and, and what we get from the land and the in the air and the water. And we don't, when you're in the middle of Denver, you don't really recognize that that's that we're having some problems out here with that. And the cost of living for people to live out here is, is also part of that. So there's a lot that we can do, which I'm really looking forward to. And then, you know, I think we're in a, you know, we just had a pretty historic election and, you know, the Democrats are in, in control of all three, you know, both the House and the Senate and the governor's mansion. So I think that means that a lot of things could get passed, but I am, you know, count myself as one of the more moderate members of my caucus. And so I want to make sure that we're doing things in a responsible way, working across the aisle as much as we can and, and focusing on policy and not uh, politics as much. And that's something I am also looking forward to is it's not an election year next year. And I'm sure you're looking forward to that. Too. Yeah. So hopefully we can put the politics aside at least for one year uh, and focus on the policy. Well, you know, I, I, I agree with you on that. I think we probably will accomplish some things this year that maybe haven't been accomplished before. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this session myself. I'm, uh, I'm anxious to get in there. It, it's, um, I don't know, it seems like it's uh, when we're in session, things are moving. You know, you're not just thinking about it. You have an opportunity to do something about it. So I'm anxious to get started, too. Yes, me too. And it, it's a privilege to, uh, I'm sure you feel the same way, it's a privilege to be able to have that chance to uh, have the trust from the voters to, to go to Denver and try and accomplish some things. Yep, that's true. It's it's um, yeah. the most humbling job I've ever had, the most important job I've ever had. So yeah. I know that you feel that way too. So, yeah. hey, listen, it's been good to have you on air with us, Dylan. We're going to do this again. Um, you know, I'm hoping I'm, I'm hoping that you will have a very Merry Christmas. I hope all of your brothers and sisters are home, and you know that it's going to be a tremendous, a, a really a nice season for you. I appreciate that, and, and same to you. I hope you have a, a great Christmas to you and, and your family and all of your listeners, and it was, it was really awesome to talk to you, and I'd love to come on again sometime. We'll do it. Don't worry about uh, that. We'll be doing it. There's a lot of things gearing off of you guys, so yeah. we'll be talking to you for sure. Thank you all so right. much. All right. Sounds good. I'll see you soon, Mark. You bet. Good day. Bye. So that's Dylan Roberts, a representative from, uh, I think he lives in Avon, from uh, District 26, uh, along the I-70 corridor in that country, but Western Slope guy. Um, You know, he's going to have a big big role in the state of Colorado, and it was nice that he took time to be on the show with us today. This is, uh, you know, it's a great opportunity for us to get to talk to people that are going to be making the news rather than just reading the news to you and what my opinion is. I'd much rather have the newsmakers on, have them tell you what they're thinking and uh, where their directions are going to come from. You know, that's the biggest part of this show is, is being able to bring newsmakers out here and, and talk to us on a kind of a personal level. It feels more like a kitchen table conversation than an interview. But um, that seems to be the best way to do that in this day and age. Too many people try to corner you. Too many people try to get you with a gotcha question. And I'm not into that. I, I don't appreciate that for myself, let alone doing it to other people. Well, Christmas is on its way. I've only got a couple of minutes here to wrap up the show, but... Christmas is on its way. It's an incredible season. 
Enjoy the season. Remember the reason for the season. If you're going to be with family, make sure that it's a great day and it's a great time to be with the family. Uh, for those of for there are so many people that they won't be able to be with their family, reach out, have them come to your house for dinner, have them do something special, and you be special. This is a great time of the year, and I want you to know that I do appreciate being your host on this show. It's it's a great opportunity for me, and I do appreciate it. If you want to get in touch with us here at the radio show, you can reach us at www.diversionsradio.com or Diversions Radio slash Facebook. We do have that. My son put that all up for us. So we're starting to get some contact from folks. Thank you so much for contacting us, and thanks for taking care of the radio show for us. We appreciate it. In this special season, we have so many things in this country that we just we take for granted. There are some things that we should never take for granted. Close the show every week with the same statement. I really want you to know that's important to me because I think that's something that we have to remember keep it on the front of our minds, particularly in times like this, where we have the right to celebrate the way we want to. So I want to remind you that Americans are extraordinary people. We are the leader of the world. Stand firm, stand strong, and use the rights that you've been given by the great creator, not by another man. Those rights are the ones that cannot be taken away from us. We are the people that will have to protect those rights. Remember, this is a very special place. You are very special people. God bless. Merry Christmas.